0: Being chased, throwing on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen, what a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard
1: touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James! Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton! Caught! touchdown chargers that's the greatest throw i've ever thunder
2: Thunderdown under chargers podcast fresh off a week one victory and for us fans much needed redemption andy your host here joined as always by jack and alistair gentlemen welcome Jack, how was your week or round one viewing experience, sir?
0: It was great, actually. It was, uh, well, we just talked about it offline, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, halfway through the first quarter, Game Pass through Chrome decided to crap itself and the score popped up. And so, uh, being disciplined all day was a, uh, completely went out the window, but it made for interesting viewing considering what happened in the second quarter half so yeah a little bit disappointing in that way but still enjoyed it we still got the W very very happy I wanted upward to Kansas City
2: yeah well that's a shame man um, we were far more vigilant in our endeavors to uh, save the scores and Al, we had a pretty good week weekend mate uh, what did you make of it
1: you know what I made of it you're sitting next to me the whole time while <laughs> I just uh, we, we, we got a really good uh, uh showcase of how Andy and I differ, even though we're great friends. I'm the kind of classic emotive Italian type where as things get difficult, I start to stress. I'm throwing my beanie. I'm kind of throwing stuff, getting angry, getting concerned. Andy was cool, calm and collected. Our host was cool as a cucumber. Never in doubt, right,
2: mate? Never in doubt. Well, if you can't have faith in week one, when can you have faith? You know? So I trust drunk the kool-aid i just needed to sit there i think if they had converted that two-point conversion it might have been a oh, different story however yeah, great. shout out to our great listeners thank you for your ongoing support guys if you are new joining us welcome please give us a quick uh, do us a quick favor and hit the like and subscribe buttons to our channel uh, if you haven't already so we can help get this show out to more awesome like-minded Chargers fans like you guys also hit us up on Twitter too, at TDU underscore charges, just for a bit of bit more social media uh, chin-wagging. All right, obviously a heap to get into today. Um, a sharp turnaround to the Chiefs this Thursday night at Arrowhead. Uh, we'll pick a few pleasant surprises that we've each sort of enjoyed uh, coming out of week one. Uh, but before any of that, Los Angeles charges 24, Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas Raiders rather, 19. Ugh, ugh. Field goal for field goal started off this divisional encounter. A nice 24-yard catch and run by free agent tight end Gerald Everett helped set up a score on the Chargers opening drive of this season. Delwyn James making his presence felt early, hurdling Josh Jacobs for a sack on a safety blitz bringing up 2nd and 16, and some missed, time, some missed time throws by Derek Carr, aiding the Chargers goal line defence and keeping the visitors to 3. Devante Adams already establishing his connection with his former college quarterback and was showing some headaches for the Chargers DBs early on. Yeah, it was the Herbert and Keenan show on the next drive, setting up Xander Horvath for his first touchdown reception in the Powder Blues. Uh, then a Drew, tra- uh, incredibly ath- athletic Drew Tranquil interception at midfield paved the way for Justin Herbert to take advantage of his incredible arm talent with a 30-yard laser to DeAndre Carter <laughs> just before halftime. BB. A nice touch pass to Brandon Bolden saw the Raiders claw back to within a score on their first offensive drive of the second half. But the Chargers answered right back, marching down the field to see an incredible effort by Gerald Everett not only to catch the ball just inside the sideline, but then to fight his way into the end zone with a defender hanging off him, capping off a pretty good first appearance for the Chargers. After Hunter Renfro recovered his own fumble on fourth and four, The Raiders managed a field goal to see the score at 13-24. But interceptions on back-to-back drives by Derek Carr allowed the Chargers offense to chew up more precious clock. For what it's worth, a great catch by Devontae Adams on second and goal, but they missed the two-point attempt and that saw the scores sit at 19-24 for the remaining four minutes and 32 of the game. Now after handing the ball back to the Raiders, a great defensive effort by Joey Bosa on third down Staley sent the big boys blitzing Van Noy, Bosa, Mack, Fox, and Tranquil with Mack forcing the strip sack and the turnover on downs. Chargers go 1-0 up. Football in hand to finish the game. FTR. (coughs) Couple of quick box stats. Herbert, 26 of 34, 279 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Austin Eckler led the the rushes in a quiet day on the ground. 14 carries, 36 yards. Uh, Keenan Allen was great before he went off injured. Four receptions, 66 yards. And DeAndre Carter pretty special stepping up into the role. Three receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown. Chargers defense, six sacks. Mack with three of them. Three INTs without JC Jackson on the field and a forced fumble. Jack mate, what was your first take of the game? Andy, you're probably sitting there saying, I told you so. I told you so. I told
0: you so. My first takeaway was the fact that who would have picked that Xander Horvath is the first charger of 2022 to get a touchdown. Uh, he looked really good. He was playing in that fullback tight end role, blocking really well. Uh, he catches the ball and moves really well. I thought that was fantastic. And. Based on my analysis last week, you're talking about a Swiss Army knife or a Leatherman, I think it was, to Justin Herbert. What another weapon to have on that offense. Well done, Xander Horvath. Uh, It all makes sense that you weren't playing in the preseason because clearly you are something that we're going to be using a lot this
1: year. What about you, Alistair? We saved him, didn't we, until it really mattered. Didn't give any indication how many snaps he'd play, and we used him very well. You know, the the main uh, important point for me, just to start things off, we found a way to win. Week one, there are 16 teams feeling like absolute shit and their fan bases, and the other 16 don't. And everyone knows it's not going to be perfect. A lot of these starters haven't played. You just find a way to get the first win, and you know you can improve on all the little issues you had over the course of the season. And, of course, we'll get into those. But, really, this game could have been a blowout, in my opinion. You had some funny buggers happening with a referee kind of spotting the ball at the two-yard line after the Asante-Samuel interception. Wasn't quite sure of that rule, but it seemed like that really set us back on the next drive, whereas we started the 25 there, potentially a very different scoreline. And then little things, as you mentioned, Andy, you had Adelie's force fumble of... Hunter Renfro just falling back into the Raiders' hands. Trey McKitty dropped a catch that would have led to a first down. So I just think that was little... on the
2: drive you're talking about at the two.
1: Yep, that's right. So oh. found a way to win. That's all that matters. One and zero took the ch- chocolates, defeated the most odious team in the NFL, and it feels fantastic that football's back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, I think the just to sort of glaze on on yours a little bit, Al. Uh, we didn't charger the chargers didn't charger like in years past that we were so easily found a way to lose this game of football but good resolve and hell good balance on all three phases of the uh, the team as the the coach would say and i think that's that's a um one of my sort of great observations is or keen observations from the game is that you know, we performed not necessarily as well on offense as we might have Liked or anticipated due to a few things, but on defense we were incredible, and we everyone worried so much without J.C. Jackson, what was going to happen to Vontae Adams? We found a way to team defense, and look, he was good. Like he still what had 116 yards, nine receptions, and a a touchdown thereabouts. Uh, Still had a game, but didn't win them the game, didn't lose us the game. Um, J.K. Scott, we'll get into him more, no doubt, but we just did. We just did really well on all three phases of the game. And it, it wasn't perfect, but it was enough to uh, to get the W and just put that yeah. first one in the bank.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's you're right saying that we didn't charge. Her. I think we came quite close yeah. at, certain, mm. at certain times. They're going for it on fourth and, and, uh, and short with the Herbert quarterback sneak. Uh, there are a couple of times, I think generally speaking, Herbert looked fairly in control behind, uh, under center, I should say, behind Lindsley. There seemed to be an air of calmness on the sideline. It was just, we're going to work. This is what we're doing. The only times that I would say that Herbert looked slightly out of control was when he was running towards the end zone. And he sort of was like, am I going to go for it? No. Am I going to go for it? No. Uh, no. No. And then there was a the roughing the passer, which I thought we were fairly lucky to get. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, as I noted before, was that sneak, which I think was fairly poorly timed. And that's just a quarterback probably... He'll learn from that, I'm sure. Not the right game, time, or situation to do something like that in. Um, but, yeah, I agree, Andy. I think it was a, we came close, but the three phases, as you mentioned, J.K. Scott, the special teams, that hidden yardage, it, I think
1: came close to making the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nevis. And we had two rookies as our gunners, Jasir Taylor on one side, Dean Leonard on the other. I think Andy made the observation watching live. When your hang time is between 5 and 5.4 seconds, even your biggest lineman can get down the field 40 yards to cover it off. That That is is absurd hang time by our new punter, who's just endearing himself to the team at a rapid rate. On your comments about the defense, Andy, I mean, I've never seen a Chargers defense that I can recall do what this Chargers defense did come out and so consistently sack the opposing team's quarterback forcing pressure without necessarily blitzing although he did a bit staley was using disguise it was incredible to see the number of weapons this team now has at its disposal to confuse the quarterback to attack the quarterback just one player i want to give a special shout out to bryce callahan in the slot it was one of the best debuts I can recall of a Chargers player anywhere. He was targeted seven times on the weekend. He only gave up three catches for 21 yards and a passer rating of 10.7 when targeted. He effectively shut Hunter Renfro out of the game. He picked one off in front of him at a critical juncture and he could have had a second interception because if you looked at Asante's one, who was right there with his head turned around getting hands on the ball Bryce Callahan. He was everything we were hoping to get from Chris Harris Jr when he signed yeah. and more and I can't wait to see him patrol that slot cornerback position.
2: Yeah. yeah, Chris Harris who? Um Yeah, he was he was fantastic and you're right, could have had two picks but yeah, uh, I'm kind of glad that Asante took a uh, Took that one. That was pretty spectacular. A specky, as we uh, we call it here. Mm. Question right. for you, Andy. The interception yeah, mate.
1: that uh, Staley's ever seen. <coughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't he going off on the sidelines? Oh, oh, yeah. but, but he's oh, calm, Staley and mic'd up. Yeah. When his interceptions happen, he's just like, go. He's ready. Go. He's ready for he's the like, next yeah. play. He called Drew Tranquils as well. He's like, Drew, Drew, Drew. Yeah. No, he's brilliant. Gone. You should no. go, go and watch it if you haven't already on the Chargers YouTube channel. Yeah. Andy, um, question for you. What did you think about the linebacker play for the Chargers in this game? Because it was a, you know, hotly discussed topic all throughout the preseason. You know, is it a weak room? Is it a strong room? What did you make of Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil and Van Noy to the extent he played at linebacker?
2: Um I thought that Kenneth Murray came out like a dog. Like mm. a rabid dog. And he was he was pretty good in coverage, um, which he struggled in previously. He seemed to improve there, and he was just wanting to hit. Um, and he was his second and third efforts. I thought were great, and it was awesome to see because there has been a lot of doubt cast over him, but he got a tick from me this week. Uh, Drew Tranquil, look, his his interception might completely overshadow. I thought that pick was was fantastic, and mm. he was working really well as the the. Linebacker dropping back into coverage and that sort of Tampa 2-looking show that we had in the backfield. Um, Who does Carr think he is trying to fit the ball in that tie window, buddy? You are not
1: wearing 10 on your back. Yeah. Don't try (laughs) that shit.
2: (laughs) Um, Kyle Van Noy, good in parts. Uh, He probably offers a lot more than we we see and maybe his actual production in a play-by-play... You know, isn't there, but he was, uh, he he missed a read, um, and gave up a a first down. Just kind of looked a bit, um, well, sorry, it was, he was on Brandon Bolden for that touchdown, um, and just picked up the, picked up the read laid out of the flat. And it was a great throw, but yeah, he was just slow on it and gave, gave Bolden Mm. an extra couple of yards. So uh, maybe play by play, I thought, um, Murray and Tranquil probably my two top two mm. linebackers and I thought the, the linebacker mm. play was was really good.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of think that they're playing with their capability with what we need them to play with. I think that's kind of where I sit w- looking at that. There are a couple of times where I thought the decision-making by the, by the middle linebackers, just when we're trying to bracket someone like Devontae Adams, they've bitten on a play fake or they've just made a small read which has put the cornerback whether it was Asante or um, Michael Davis, just on an island a bit. And it was fairly clear, I think, that Staley made pretty f- pretty substantial adjustments after the first or second drive that the Raiders had because it was clear that Devontae was finding space in that sort of just into, not necessarily over the middle, but just in the middle of the field about maybe, I don't know, five yards in from the sideline. So um, that was, I thought that was really good coaching as well. I think we saw the defense adapt more so than we have before, because I think for the first time, Staley's got the players that allow him to adapt. And we touched on Mm. it in the intro, Andy, we we saw Derwin James, I think, playing free. And that's what Derwin James does. He's up and around the ball. He's confusing Derek Carr. And that one, when he leaps over the defender and smacks him in the back, I reckon Derek Carr had poop in his pants for the rest of that game because he did not see that coming at all. Uh, and I think yeah, that's what we're going to Jacobs, expect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so good. Um But I think, yeah, the linebackers, we put Derwin James in there as that strong safety coming in, playing up. They're everything that we need them to be. Alistair, I actually have a question. My first question was that. Um That was like, are our, our linebackers good enough? And I think they might be. Um This is about Gerald Everett. Did you expect to see the production and the blocking out of him at the game that we saw out of him this
1: weekend or this Monday? No, I didn't. I, I, I was impressed by some of his highlights he had for the Seahawks and the Rams and, the you know, the, the discussion around him has been positive all training camp. But we didn't see him in the preseason. There have been some kind of niggling injury concerns. And just to see the different ways he can impact a defense, he's a true weapon, as you said, mm-hmm. Jack, he looks like he can hold his own in the running game. Uh, it's one of the, you know, there, there won't be too many better touchdown catches this year by a charger. He's managed to, firstly, let's not forget that is ad-libbing. He's initially run a flat route and then seen that Herbert's been forced to the left of the pocket. Decided, okay, a la Travis Kelsey here, I need to get on my bike and start working into a space. And then Herbert to have the wherewithal to throw a back shoulder and then just one hand. And then also stay in bounds, take it over the goal line. The power that you needed to have that is huge, yeah. Huge, huge play. So very pleasantly surprised and, you know, exceeding any of the raw athleticism that someone like a Jared Cook brought to the table last year as a very old veteran. So great start. Let's hope he can continue it. Um, Well, if we're in the vein of questions, I'll kind of, Throw another one, maybe back at uh, back at you, Jack. Did you um, did you see enough from this Chargers offense after Keenan went out injured to make you think that while he's out, the offense can score you know twenty four plus points per game, or we're always the team going to really have to lean on the defense in this next stretch? Oh well, that links
0: to the Gerald Everett, Xander Horvath, DeAndre Carter, uh, Joshua Palmer, Mike Williams. Mike Williams was whether he was being bracketed and covered really well. Uh, That was who they decided to shut down after the absolute destruction Mike Williams and Justin Herbert did to the Raiders in the final game of last season. I think so. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. The wide receiver room is one of the deepest in living memory. And also I think one of the deepest position groups in the league uh, when we look at wide receivers. So I think we have more than enough weapons. I think Lombardi has more than enough in his playbook now with Justin Herbert in his second year. Mm-hmm. Herbert Williams going down because my there was an observation and a question that I kind of have, perhaps Andy, a view is, you know, is this sign of an injury to Alan? Is this a sign of things to come? Um, but I think we've, yeah, we've built that wide receiver room to have depth. I think we'll be fine. Um, Andy, I sort of threw you a little question there. Do you think, you know, you made an observation about Um, the severity of Alan's injury given your um, medical background or training perhaps or some study. (laughs) The the resident physio, because I always go to you when I've got something (laughs) niggling and you really help me out. Take the compliments when they come,
1: Andy. Basically pre-med, right? That's
2: Yeah, basically
0: pre-med. So, yeah, do you reckon this is a sign of things to come for Alan and and do we think that Josh Palmer needs to show a bit more?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, he's had had injury history before. Um, The way I saw it live... Was that it was probably better that he sort of twinged it when he was turning into his route rather than uh, a full extension hamstring injury where you're sort of you're either landing or taking off with a sort of um, eccentric load pushing out. Um, that's where you get kind of the higher tenderness injuries, which are bad and longer. So, um, well, the reports were. I mean, Staley's pretty sneaky with this sort of thing about. Uh, you know, he 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 might. Who knows? I'll never rule him out. But like, he's not playing for at least sort of three to four weeks. You wouldn't wouldn't have thought. Um, he's not a young, strapping Keenan Allen anymore. Um, so you just you got to nurture nurture him. Um, second part of your, you. Second part of your question regarding the other receivers, or was it just purely on Keenan's injury?
0: Yeah. yeah, just in general. Like, did you, did you see enough from? I mean, you know, we wax lyrical about uh, DeAndre Carter and Everett. Did we see enough from Mike Williams and, and Josh Palmer? Well, d- to sort of mm. go, oh, we'll be okay without Keenan. Only targeted
2: yeah, um, seven times between them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, rec- no receiver was targeted more than four times, I don't think. So, you just see that uh, Mike Williams had a bad drop on um, third down, I think there, and mm. um, right at the. The deep line again. That was infuriating. Um oh, yeah. And look, that's probably they probably did have a fair bit of tape on um Herbert to Williams decimating them in the second half. So potentially was covered uh harder probably by Nate Hobbs. Um who would have Yeah, he played well. Did talk he talk about a, a sneaky job. good player? We referred yeah. to it in the
1: preview show. He was he was excellent. And so was I mean, Anthony Averett, who they picked up off Baltimore. He Held his own on Williams as well. There there were definitely a few challenges, I thought, um, in this game. I'm happy to start with one. Struggling to establish the running game. 31 attempts for 76 yards. That's a lot of, like, short runs that aren't changing the game. And it's hard to know if it was a blocking issue up front. It seemed that there were a few occasions where that was the case. Whether it was Filer or Pipkin's. Some of the time they were struggling struggling, and Max Crosby, even though he didn't affect the box score with sacks, he was affecting the running game. So was Denzel Perryman and their linebackers generally and their interior D-line. They really had their way with us from a run game perspective. And if you had a recipe for the Raiders to win this game, they got half of it right. They really bottled up our running game. Lombardi kept going square peg round hole towards the end, trying to make it work. Um, and Staley was saying in the press that he wasn't critical of it because he said, you know, it's not like these were zero-yard gains. It was, you know, they were there to be made. The plays were there to be made. We just weren't executing the blocks. Mm. At a certain point, I thought we needed to pivot. That was one thing I thought we found challenging. Need to turn that around ASAP against Kansas City because you need to really have that balanced offense. You can't go missing and score zero points for a quarter and a half quarter and a half against that team, you'll lose the game. Um, any Anything, maybe Jack, uh, like something that you thought the Chargers struggled with in this particular game? Um, I
0: mean, I don't. we don't like to single out players here, but I, I didn't think Trey McKitty had a great start to the season. If we were hoping that he would be a sort of a second tight end weapon, um, he looked a little bit out of sorts both in the passing game and also in the blocking game a number of times. So he just looked a little underprepared. Um, I think I have, I have faith in Trey McKitty that he'll work hard and he'll, he'll, he'll clearly knows that he didn't have a great game. So that was one thing. And you think about if Everett does go down with an injury, there's probably a positional group that we're really going to struggle with, um, to, to sort of, to, to replicate that production. I didn't, and this is, is it challenging or is it a positive? I didn't think we looked amazing. Uh, it looked like we were blowing off cobwebs in all three phases a little bit. So, you know, when is this, co- when's the cohesion point? Is this daily building? And we have enough veterans on the team to say, well, let's build. You know, we don't have to come out all guns blazing. We don't have to come out and smash week one. We don't have to do a Kansas City Chiefs. It would have been nice to see that perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, where's the where's this cohesion point? What was that? Cardinals are done, mate. <laughs> Cardinals are done. You hit it here first on this podcast. So, yeah, McKitty, the cohesion sort of I didn't think was there, but again, none of these guys played in any preseason games. So, yeah, don't want to be oh, super McKitty negative
2: did. on it. McKitty did, and he showed exactly what he showed on Monday. What Still he a young player, though. We'll give him yeah. some time,
1: and Parham's injured. Maybe when Parham comes out, we see McKitty's snaps reduced, but. Andy and yeah. I definitely agreed he was that kind of standout worst player, both sides yeah. of the ball. Uh, arguably, anyway, or, or, the, or the kicker for the Chargers, who <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to put everyone on notice. I, I when we we're talking about this at the start of the season, he's under he's sub 500 when you go 49 yards and, and beyond. It's a problem. I know that there's a very low baseline of expectation amongst Chargers fans. Basically, if you Uh, are able-minded and able-bodied, that's cool as a kicker for Chargers fans. As long as you're not the worst kicker in the league, we seem to think that that's an acceptable state for your field goal attempts to be in. I say watch the space. If you need to bring in competition, do so. Hopkins is now continuing a trend throughout his career into the preseason when he missed one from 49. Now in a game where that puts a two-touchdown margin into the game if he executes there. All right, I won't flog a dead horse, but want to see more from Dustin Hopkins.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I also thought that the the thing I noted on last week's show that's um seam routes uh this defense's weakness. And if we play against teams with really accomplished tight ends with quarterbacks that can fit it in that in that window between the safety and the linebacker, they're gonna get a lot of yards on us. And uh, it just so happens that we probably go up against one of the best tight end quarterback duos in the league this week, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, Staley makes those adjustments and whether maybe Derwin James plays a little deeper. Um, I I also thought um, Nas had a really good game too. He was Mm. quiet in a good Mm. way, which was great. Tackling like a monster.
2: Yeah, that forced fumble on Brenfro was great coming in from the side there. Um, Really impressed with, for me, how Yeah, Asante Samuel's game as a whole, uh, he really improved on Devontae as the game went on. Um, I sort of left that out of my sort of game review spiel, but um, yeah, it's worth noting that he did improve and got a big pass breakup kind of late in the game. Um, I was just, I was really impressed. Jack, I know you spoke about the cohesion point. I was really impressed with the the cohesion um, across the board. Um, You know, the... Staley spoke in his press conference about, you know, getting the snap right to the punter, getting the ball there. It was there every time, and there was one close one. But yeah, I mean, you stole my best gear with the lineman recovering the, um, protecting the kicks. I can't believe you pinched that, you bastard. Um, (laughs) um, it was fantastic to watch. There was. Great cohesion on defense. The interior is working. You know, you won't see it on the stat sheet. With I think one tackle between Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, and at times, uh, look, there's another PFF score in there that is a, a blow away. When you, I think they gave him a, a twenty nine point eight or a, a thirty. Sebastian Joseph Day's that that is overall, and I'm going well. We stifled a pretty good run game and. Run rushing attack in Josh Jacobs, and uh, I'm I I thought we got six sacks on on Derek Carr and myriad pressures.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I mean, he didn't, they didn't at times get a whole lot of push, but they they managed to bring enough pressure on the interior to allow the the edge guys, all of them, to to get pressure on the outside and and crush Carr. So, another, um, another
0: little. Another little tidbit was when you saw him mic'd up when uh, Staley went over to SJD and you heard SJD go 38 or 37 yards, baby, 37 yards. So clearly he does, SJD doesn't care how, like, you know, how well he plays perhaps, but it's just what we held the other team to. So that's, that's a great, um, little, I thought a little tidbit into, yeah, you're right, Andy, who cares about a PFF score of 29, um, when the fact is you held, you hold a, a great running back room realistically, um, that have averaged what are they 124 yards in the preseason or whatever they did or something 132 something. off the top 132 of my head. so um fantastic
1: yeah i've got a ahead. couple of quick questions cuz we we'd be remiss not to hear from both of you on these topics one's about the o-line to you jack but i'll let andy go first cuz andy's kind of a squat stubby running back type what did you think andy about our uh kind of how we've deployed running backs so clearly just in terms of uh, the numbers, we had Eckler get 14 carries, Josh Kelly have four, Sony Michelle have seven, Spiller inactive. Were you happy with that mix in terms of who was running and in what situations? Would you bring Spiller up? If so, when? Talk to me about that running back room.
2: Um, I think a big part of the, the lack of success in the running back room for me was just noticing the, the personnel typing we had. We, we seldom had any heavy sets. I don't think I saw two tight ends on the field at any one time. Sure, we, we utilised Sander Horvath as the inline kind of um, you know, fullback. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have actually liked to have seen Josh Kelly probably used a little bit more. I thought he was actually looking good. Um, yeah. So I think it's probably just a a scheme thing. There was a combination of the run blocking being kind of there and then there's... The, the guys not seeing the hole or, you know, making that, that cut just a little too late. And, you know, we got a couple of, I think Eckler said in his press conference, we got a few eight-yard runs, which, are you know, it's all well and good, but there were gashes there. Um, uh, So, yeah, they, I don't think they were very happy with it either. Do you uh, change rim, anything rim, for Thursday rim, rim, night? Would you um, call up
1: Spiller? Do you leave the same three? <clears throat>
2: well, we're not going to see donald parham come in yeah Do I see oh look no i think we keep the same three same again yeah okay I keep, yeah i think i think keep do the, the same, same three i think the experience in the coach is just going to rock isaiah spiller we are throwing mm. we'd be throwing him into the fire agree 100 uh, yeah, percent. so debut
1: him against the jags or the texans or yeah something like that um and my question for you jack we, we've said precious little about the offensive line so far. You are our offensive line <laughs> resident specialist guru Buddha. <laughs> maybe maybe um, who, who you thought our best performer was, who might have struggled, Zion Johnson's debut. Let's chat some yes. O-line. Uh, well, given
0: the fact that in week 18, the right side of the line got abused and Herbert was running for his life and taking some big licks, The fact is, we gave up no sacks this week. There are a few pressures, I get that, but no sacks. And Herbert looked calm. As I mentioned before, he looked confident in his line. And I thought, to be honest, Pipkins is all we need Pipkins to be there. He, big ass against possibly, you know, one of a top five, maybe top six harsh rushing tandem in the league. Yep. Uh, the fact is, I saw, I, when I watched Pipkins closely, I wasn't watching too many others other than Zion Johnson. And I thought, Zion Johnson, what a debut, realistically. Yeah. Um, absolutely incredible. God, that guy's strong. But Pipkins was doing a really good job to force Crosby wide. And that allowed, um, Herbert to step up into the pocket where he makes those, um, really calculated and that zip. <laughs> that zipping pass to um, DeAndre Carter, he, he was there was a bit of pressure coming at him, which is really wonderful because last year, I kind of felt Pipkins, uh, Norton, or whoever was on that right side would just get bull rushed and Herbert would have nowhere to actually step up into the pocket. The pocket was really crowded. So I thought the pocket for Herbert was very clean. Uh, Filer didn't have the best day. Mm. I didn't think he was, but again, we didn't need them to be anything incredible. Slater just starts off from where he left off last year, which is incredible. incredible. And, and Lindsley, you can tell that there's a calmness and connection between Justin and Corey there. So I thought on the whole, Special. um, everyone was really worried about Pipkins and he's not going to do very well. I thought he did fine. Run game, not so good, but pass game, very, very serviceable. And if you can do that against Crosby and Jones, then two thumbs up from me. That's a pass mark.
1: Me too. Yeah. I've got one
0: more question for you, Alistair. Can I just say that there was a play when Derek Carr had handed the ball off and he had to block Joey Bosa head on. Do you think that Derek Carr actually shit himself when he saw Joey Bosa coming at him or do you reckon he kept his dacks clean?
1: Well, if the rest of the game's anything to judge by, I think he might have because it's the only thing that explains the kind of haphazard, hunch, helter-skelter kind of quarterback play for the rest of the game. So I'm going to say, good call, Jack. Change of undies needed. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, we we poke fun at Derek Carr, but he did have a bad game. He really did. He he arguably single-handedly lost their team the game.
2: Mm.
1: We've won the game by five points despite forcing three turnovers and Derek Carr missed a wide open Darren Waller for a touchdown relatively early in the game as well, where they, McDaniels had schemed it up perfectly and you're gone on. Oh, can't remember who he'd isolated him on, but essentially there was no stopping him as long as Carr put it the ball DJ. out in front. It was DJ, yeah, it was. It was German James, yeah. And he has just missed him. So there's that miss. There were, you know, fumble, strip sack kind of issues, just holding the ball forever, throwing it to the opposition needs to do better than that if you're going to talk trash to us on twitter raiders nation yep get
0: pressure on Carr early that's the secret to success mm. we all know for sure
2: i i think we would have spoken about that last week to be honest getting um getting on him early and yeah um well you both uh really just pummeled into all the questions that i had prepared for the two of you um after seeing your in the flesh blow up at Dustin Hopkins, it really went unsort of spoken that he missed a field goal, um, a forty nine er. So look, we won't won't bash him because it's better than we've had for the most part. But uh, guys, anything else you wanna you wanna finish up with um, regarding the the Raiders, Al? We've done, look, we've had a good long discussion,
1: so we should move on. But look, it's probably noteworthy that there's a lot of talk about Joe Lombardi and we haven't necessarily tucked in in detail about that. Let's just say, I think it's a combination of getting a bit tight, but also some failures to execute. And I dare say we're not having this conversation had certain opportunities been taken and you maybe barely notice the play calling if that's the case. Offense still scored 24 points. But when the defense gets you the ball three times, you need to be doing a bit better. He started by acknowledging his issues to Daniel Popper the other day, which is the perfect start. There's, you've got to acknowledge you've got a problem to address it. So we'll be watching that, no doubt, against Kansas City.
2: Cool. All right. And with that right along to Kansas City, just quickly some Chargers news from the week, uh, press conferences, injuries. So obviously Keenan Allen injured his hamstring. Um, they're saying a, a minor uh st- strain so look I, I wouldn't expect him back you know another three or four weeks at minimum uh jc jackson still day today uh they're no training today they put him through a solo workout and there's a, a jog through tomorrow they'll just see how he sort of comes out of that and will probably be another game time decision donald parham ruled out um this hamstring's seeming quite innocuous uh, Tranquil and Slater reported back soreness, but there's no training today, so that's just how that's ended up. As far as the press conferences go, look, they were showing uh, glowing praise um, to the the team effort. Um, Coach Daly not surprised, you know, by the likes of Khalil Mack getting three sacks. I think that's very um, stoic of him, but it's awesome to see. Um, and also, he he emphasised the belief. You touched on it. Uh, a plenty before Jack yeah, the belief in the depth of the wide receiver room and the members on our practice squad <clears throat> the ability to call up guys and just find the, the best way for the team to achieve the output of Keenan Allen on top of everything else um, as far as anything else goes we've had Christian Covington replace Braden Fajoko on the active roster, Allen I'm going to throw to you Uh, Just to run us through that a little bit before we get into the Kansas City Week 1 review. Yeah, thanks, mate. Because It's an interesting one because
1: it's clearly incense charges Twitter because you've had a player who's made the initial 53 given an emotional, uh, poignant press conference about making the 53, which Jack spoke elegantly about on an earlier podcast episode, then to be somewhat demeaned and embarrassed by being waived so that christian covington could be brought onto the active roster why might you do this the short answer even though no one has articulated it appears to be because if christian covington was on the starting 53 at the start of the season his contract for the year would become fully guaranteed i suspect the Chargers always wanted covington as their sixth interior defensive tackle but did not want to fully guarantee his contract so strategically, they've thought Covington's a guy who's unlikely to be picked up off waivers or we're willing to risk that. Conversely, we quite like Fehoko and don't mind stashing him right now so we do not uh, have him exposed to the waiver wire. We'll do that instead a week into the season when perhaps less teams are scouring the waiver wire because their rosters are full. So it's a dirty, cutthroat, financially savvy, if you think of it that way, move to say, look, this was always the plan. Now what we've done is given some optionality where if Covington's not very good, we don't guarantee his full salary. We're going to risk that we're going to be able to sign for Fejko to the practice squad. Lo and behold, they were correct, like Michael Bandy. But I might throw to you quickly, Jack, what's your take on the cultural impact of something like that when you praise competition Brandon Staley could barely even speak to it on the press conference yesterday. He described it as, you know, some procedural reasons, but it smelled like it was not his decision to make. What's your take on it all?
0: I found it very strange, and I don't think Brandon Staley is a person to sign a guy who's been cut twice before, parade him, as you said, Alistair, in front of the media, give an impassioned, emotional, motivational speech, and then cut him. That, that doesn't seem like it's anywhere near Staley's playbook. Not even the same office, not even the same organization. So it smells funny to me. And I feel very sorry for, for, for Hoko. I really do as, do, as much of charge as Twitter. Yeah, it makes sense financially, but would Staley really sign someone knowing that he wanted someone else and do that? I I, I don't... It doesn't compute with me. And yeah, it smells a little bit fishy that it could have been a higher-up decision due to our salary cap implications. That's all I really want to say on that. Um, Mm. Yeah, quite
2: disappointed. Be quite minor implications on the salary cap. What would be that? one one five something like that? Not a significant
1: amount, right? Because you're still signing someone to fill the space. You're talking about... Nickels and dimes, as our cousins across the Pacific like to say, um, yep. but look, maybe they feel they need to roll over every cent with some of the cap-, cap issues they're going to have next season. But definitely one that tugs at the heartstrings in a negative way. Yep.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. <clears throat> Al, do you want to get us into a little bit of what KC showed last week against? Do the we have, Do Cardinals? I have to? Uh, Al, yeah. <laughs> just this, just this week, and then one more week later in the
1: year. All right, it is a Chargers podcast after all. So this week we play the Kansas City Chiefs. Their week one wrap-up was quite simply this. They dominated the opposition. They beat the Cardinals in Arizona 44-21. Patrick Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. Two of those to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, one to Travis Kelsey, Miko Hardman, and Jody Fortson. The offense allowed zero sacks. They lost the one turnover. It was a fumble. Travis Kelsey had 121 yards and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably had his best game. He actually showed juice as a receiver and as a runner. Isaiah Pacheco showed a bit later in the game. And on defense, even though they did not turn the ball over, they looked very impressive. Legereus Sneed was sensational, shutting down their um, wide receivers and also had a sack of his own. Nick Bolton at the linebacker spot, Nine tackles looked supreme. Um, It was just, yeah, it was a whitewash. The best stat from the game is they had 33 first downs from 66 total plays. That is, yeah, it's a whitewash. Everyone knows Andy Reid does this. He cooks stuff up. Mahomes looked comfortable. They looked like the Kansas City Chiefs we've known now for about eight seasons. And uh, I did not like what I saw because they're going to be mightily difficult to beat. This week, so let's get straight into it. And uh, Andy, what what do you think are like some obvious strengths of this Chiefs uh, team and that pose you know threats to, to us on Thursday night
2: football? Well, t- to be honest with you, uh, you, you sort of mentioned it before. I think a big one for me, and it's it's actually off the field, is just the the coaching experience that Andy Reid has over Brandon Staley, and um, all on board, Coach Staley, um, but. <coughs> Andy Reid just, like you said, he, he just cooks this stuff up, and um, in the the tight moments, it, it that could be the the game the game uh, decider. You've got <clears throat> two superstar athletic freak quarterbacks, um, both can win games out, out of the palm of their hand, but it depends which coach at the end of the day can put them in the right position to do so. Um, Jack. What do you see as chief strengths and potential issues for the Chargers coming into this matchup?
0: Yes, be warned those who doubt Andy Reid going into his lab and not only cooking up cheeseburgers, but cooking up an offense that is Tyreek Hillless. Travis Kelsey, when is this guy ever gonna stop? He's now entering if he can if he can do what he does what he did yesterday, oh, yesterday, last game. This year, and make it consistent, he's now moving into, if not in the top 10, but top five tight ends of all time. They've gotten the ball into Edwards Alaire hand. He, his first two years kind of was a bit like a fart in a bathtub. Um, it sort of sounded interesting. It sort of smelt a bit, but didn't really go anywhere. So uh, to see him back up and running is um, dangerous, I think. That's going to require... A lot of our linebackers, and we saw when we had um, Kyle Van Noy have to guard a, or to cover a, a, a running back out of the flat. There, you know what happened there? He got abused. So, yeah, it's a pretty impressive Chiefs team. So, I think we're going to match them. It's going to be a it's going to be a blow for blow. But I listen. I don't. Yes, it's impressive in things, but I think we're just as impressive too.
1: Let me mention one other clear strength that was frightening to see. Chris Jones had one of his Aaron Donald games. Yeah. Like, he was back to full force. He had six total pressures, and it looks like he's got more help around him because Carl Loftus had six pressures on debut, and Mike Dana had six pressures. They had 28 in total. This is not the same Chiefs defensive line, and Chris Jones is going to line up against the rookie and it's going to be a massive test for zion johnson i can't wait to see it i know jack i can see you nodding and salivating like a rabid wolverine it's going to be something to watch Corey lindsley is going to have to help help him out as much as he can but chris jones was on fire and that spells issues for the los angeles charges
0: but, I mean, in saying that, I also think that their defensive line is probably one of their more weaker units if we look at it from a from a total outside of Chris Jones, who we all know is an absolute dominant beast sometimes because it's not all the time. The difference between he and Donald, and Donald does it week in and week out, Chris Jones, he's had a couple of injuries over the last couple of years, but he tends to be a little more up and down. And you're right, Carl Laftus had a big game, but he's a rookie. So yep. we're getting him the second week, so I don't think rookie fatigue is going to set in. But are, are, are you going to get that production out of him in week six, week seven, week? Our 10? line is not Arizona's either. Exactly, yeah, sure. that's the other thing, right? You know they're going up against the hot mess in terms of a, a an offensive line there. So outside of Jones and outside of Carl Aftis, yeah, there's a little bit. But Frank Clark, you know, is kind of looking like not a great return on investment now, fifty fifty. But I mean. You know, the, the Chiefs defensive line, they ended last year, I think, with the 20th in team pressure rate at 32%. Um, and, and Jones and Frank Clark were the only two players that stood out with 30 pressures for the year. So yes, they're probably going to get a little bit more production out of, um, oh, what have got there? Yeah, Dana, uh, Kando, I think his name is Tershawn yeah. Wharton, Carlos um, Stallworth. Stallworth and those guys, but but I still think that's an area where we can attack, and and I think we'll be far more stout than Arizona's line.
2: Hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, la- another one for me, I guess. Even though Legarius Snead had a good game, I still rate our um, our passing offense on their secondary. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I, re- I really think that that's that's an area of the game if the. The sort of three-headed monster that we want to try and run with in the backfield doesn't sort of pan out. I've jumped straight into the Chiefs' weaknesses and Chargers' uh, opportunities here. But, um, I mean, look, there's, they're, they're formidable across the field. So you've really got to no, not dig deep. I've got to show more faith in our team. Jack, what do you reckon? What are, some, what are some Chiefs' weaknesses that we can exploit?
0: I think the biggest one that sticks out to me, and it's not a play or a scheme, I think it's just consistency. The last, last year showed that the Chiefs weren't consistent, is that they had in a game like this where Mahomes goes off for, for five or six, and the next week or the next two, they, he throws a pick. Uh, it gets a little, looks a little unsettled. So um, if I'm reading the tea leaves, perhaps we might catch them um, a little tired. They've got a lot of rookies. We know that McDuffie's out, but they've got a lot of those rookies that are going to have to back up for the first time in their careers. So, oh, cool. will we see the same production out of those players? That was the biggest one that popped out to me other than perhaps the defensive front uh, is consistency. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, let's let's awesome. catch him on an off week. What say you, Al? You've gone macro, I'll go some micro stuff. Orlando Brown, left tackle, allowed five pressures last week. That's someone you can attack. He's a huge gargantuan man. Probably well suited to your Maxim Boses of this world who rely on more power. Get Chris Rumpf bending around the edge and see how that goes is one suggestion. MVS and Juju Smith Schuster, they are inconsistent performers, like you were saying, Jack. Let's see how they back up. They're both prone to drops. Some of their defenders not great in coverage. Willie Gatgay as a linebacker sometimes. Rashad Fenton, the second cornerback, go after him with Mike Williams if you have to. There are some weaknesses you can exploit. They might be few and far between, but they can be found just if you search hard enough.
2: Very good.
0: Yeah. I, um, I think another where we can really attack and what we have to be disciplined at is our pass rush to keeping Mahomes in the pocket. We know he loves to pop out the back and scoot, so there's got to be what I like to call, I, there surely there's a technical t- name for it in the comments. Please let me know, but pass rush discipline. Don't try to sell the house to get to Mahomes, which you give him a space to get out. I think that's going to be really important, especially for Mac and Bosa. I remember watching sometimes Bosa last year would we'll just do everything and go into a, a, a spin move and then, uh, sort of a dip to try and get there. And there's a huge wide open gap that a Mahomes or someone with a little bit of legs can actually get out and make a play. So I reckon we're going to really focus on that pass rush discipline. And Mac is very good at that. And you just saw him, the pure power that he has, whereas Bosa has a little bit more technique. That's another area where I think we can really attack them. Keep Mahomes in the pocket, keep him dancing around. Don't let him get out.
2: That's a point that I was making that I saw in the, well, from the output of, uh, Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day is that that pressure 100%. up the middle and the containment to allow them to come through without creating a massive hole in the A or the B gap for Mahomes to scuttle through or flush him out the back or the side because he's he's almost he probably is more dangerous outside of the pocket on some of oh, those yeah. some of those st- those throws he was making it oh, just don't right. blitz him
0: no <laughs> don't blitz him don't blitz him and the last thing for me that I picked up is. Watching the highlights, I thought the Chiefs' tackling was poor as well. Mm. The Chiefs' tackling, their their tackle discipline was not very good at all. Um, and I was like, is that just me that I'm looking at it? Uh, and, and I did go, and overall, the PFF, and I know we don't like PFF anymore, but that's the only thing that stands out as far below <laughs> a rating of 50. So uh, for listeners, Alistair had a go at me for looking at PFF ratings on the uh, group chat, so that's just a little... Uh, that's just a little broadside. You've personalised
1: here, right? a critique of PFF I had that sometimes the subjective grades leave you pulling your hair out. I don't have any, but, you know, I would if I could. <laughs> I like their, some of their objective counting stats. Very Correct, handy yes. resource where you can go, Very okay, I, I never knew that. Miss tackles, for example, Jack. Um, yeah. A couple of things I know, like these are our rivals. They're our rivals. We know them very well. <laughs> to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you've laid out the game plan. A couple of other things I would like to see us do. When we approach stopping Travis Kelsey, don't use Derwin. He's too good a weapon. Start off by trusting Michael Davis with Nazir Adley bracketing with coverage over the top. Then if it's not working, fallback plans Derwin. But I want to see Derwin utilize as a weapon first and foremost – also, don't be afraid to call some quarterback design runs. Agreed. Herbert is a six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound weapon. How often does Mahomes take off and scramble when when the Chiefs play us? Spagnuolo likes playing man coverage in the back end. That means the defenders have their backs to the quarterback. If Herbert gets back, can't see anyone open. Take off and run. Let's do more of that to start this game. So I'm getting yeah. a bit impassioned. <laughs> Well, what what I
0: don't want to see is I don't want to see us try and take the ball out of Mahomes' hands too much by trying to run the ball overtly. You know, Herbert is good enough, and we are a good enough offense to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes. I truly, truly believe that. So I really hope we don't. We're going to go and try and set the tone with the run because all you're going to do is go three and out, three and out, and all of a sudden, in halfway through the first quarter, you're down 14 nothing, and you're going, what just happened? And you're playing catch-up. So... Give Herbert the ball, let him cook, let our our offense cook because clearly there are the weapons there. That was probably the last point for me.
2: Great point. Yeah, I I really agree with you. You don't want it to end up in a shootout because Mahomes on long field quick drives is deadly. And if the matchup's not working with Travis Kelsey up the seam, they're going to get bulk yards. That overtime touchdown he scored last year makes me want to cry. We've just, yeah, we've got to hang on to the ball. We won the possession counter or well, the t- the possession clock in week one. That's something we really need to do is just maintain possession of the ball and, uh, not be too conservative on the, on the play calling. None of this run, run on first down. You know, let's give it a, give it a pump. Uh, Jack, any, uh, from you, any other keys to victory or any other ways you see sort of us actually, you know, what what can we do to to not have to go toe to toe with um, Mahomes? What can we do to to jump him out?
0: Yep. Well, we saw that force fumbles and turning the ball over rattles the Chiefs. Uh, getting getting that early and making a play on defense early within the first fifteen minutes, I think, is going to be really key. Whether come on, JC zap-
1: Jackson, play.
0: Yeah, come on or Bryce Callahan doing something or you've got um Adderley coming in and popping a ball out again. I think I think Staley's message will be, "Hey defense, make a play. This is it. You got to you got to rattle them a bit. You got to They're rolling. They they've got their confidence up. Let's go out there and rattle them some uh, some way because I think the offense will do they'll, they'll do their job. Uh but yeah, for me, if I was Staley, defense go and make a play. Khalil Mack go and make a play, strip sack. Let's yeah. go.
1: Careful about their shovel pass bullshit in the red zone as well. We know they like to do that every time. It's suck it in the Cardinals. Don't let them throw an underhand pass to Kelsey or Clyde no. Edwards-Alaire from the five,
2: please. We're seeing, we're seeing more ball skills out of Drew Tranquil. Let's get some mm. sneaky picks on that that junk.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Result Alrighty. predictions. Let's uh, let's do it. Andy.
2: Uh, I'm going to uh, stick by the Chargers hot form and go Chargers win 35-32. Um, big game, max at it again, sacks galore, we get the pressure on, that's that's my key to victory as well, Jack, get that pressure on early and, and force the, win the turnover battle. 35-32 charges. Okay.
1: Yep,
0: Classic. I'm going to go 41-35 charges.
1: Okay. Big game. Overs Massive if game. you're betting. It's like it. Um, I'm going Chiefs 31, charges 28, In overtime, Dustin Hopkins misses a field goal, Harrison Butker doesn't, despite being injured and shows everyone what a real kicker looks Mm. like.
0: We've seen that before, haven't we? Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's the toughest,
1: it's it's probably the toughest challenge in the NFL. The lid will be off, Chargers fans. If the team comes off a short break, no Keenan, maybe no JC Jackson. If you beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you can start to believe.
2: Done it before. We like, can do it again. All right, let's end the show with a little bit of fun. <laughs> just had a bloody glass up, fella. I right? just like that, but I've got of this. I don't want to make to be. quickest way is done. Wallamaloo.
0: So, what you've just heard there is the segment that we're going to finish up this show called Bottoms Up Cobber. And if you don't know what a cobber is, that is slang for mate in Australia. Here we go, We're bottoms up, we're at the pub, we're at the bar, um, we're enjoying some Friday night drinks, boys. Who are you going to raise a glass to and say, uh, well done on a good weekend of football? I'll get us going and I'm going to start with the charges, and I'm going to raise a glass and go, Khalil Mack, you star, you set the tone, this is where we're at, baby. Cheers to you, cobber.
1: Cheers to that. I'll jump in. Bottoms up to Saquon Barkley. I called it maybe Comeback Player of the Year. Okay, 18 carries, 164 yards and a touchdown. Giants win. Have yourself a shot, Saquon Barkley. Bottoms up, son. Oh, yeah.
2: Nice one. Uh, I'd like to propose a toast and cheers. (coughs) Bottoms up to Philadelphia and their trade for AJ Brown. What an outing. His first day as an Eagle. Incredible. We've been excited.
0: I'm calling around yeah. and you know who's buying you know who's buying me a drink? Is Mark McDaniels down in Miami? He's cooking up mm. some pasta, like I said last week. Awesome win. Love to see the Patriots lose. Cheers to you, Mr. McDaniels. Looking looking all right. Tua, not so much.
1: Fantastic. Bottoms up for Geno Smith and Uchenna Nwosu. Both Woo. former chargers, both beat Russell Wilson. Incompetence on full display. Organizationally, Nathaniel Hackett, have yourself a loss first round up. Shout to you, Gino.
2: All right, not to tread on your toes a little bit there. I'll expand a bit on yours, Jack. My cheers is to the rookie head coaches this week, Ooh. led by Mark McDaniels and that incredibly ballsy call on fourth and seven. Brian Daybol goes for two-point win with one minute left for the Giants. Matt Eberflus, huge upset win for the Bears Ooh. over the 49ers. Ooh. And Kevin O'Connell, very special. Uh, it looks like he's made a new man of Kirk Cousins. He's got Justin Jefferson, the Jet, and they flattened your supposed number one defense in the league, Green Bay. And special mention, I didn't forget him. I know he's a rookie head coach. Nathaniel Hackett, you're doing your job, brother. I didn't forget about you. One less win for the AFC West team. Why would you pay $50 million a year for your quarterback, not to even have him on the field to win you the game? Nice one.
0: Nice one. Uh, I'm gonna raise my glass and skull it and go. Justin Fields and, for Justin Fields and the Bears, the Bears winning. Uh, Justin Fields looked okay. Had to really get into the game. Uh, the weather probably helped them win that game at the end. But cheers to the Bears. Good seeing you have a week one opening win. Awesome.
1: Tequila shots and Jägermeister and Jäger bombs to Oof. Justin Jefferson who caught nine catches for 184 yards, two touchdowns. He is now the player with the second most 150-yard receiving games in the history of the NFL to this point in his young career. Guess who's first? Another Viking, Randy Moss. He is on a tear. So have yourself some shots, Justin Jefferson.
2: All right, my uh, my cheers, nice can of PBR, is uh, to Taysom Hill. Um, a lot thought that Ooh. when Sean Payton disappeared from New Orleans that uh what would they do with tight end, backup quarterback, running back, gadget supreme, Taysom Hill. Um, had a great game. Um yeah, just went nuts. So good on him for sticking it out. Cheers to you. Cheers, cheers to People think I malign
0: this player, but cheers to Lamar Jackson the Ravens for throwing Ooh. the ball more than they ran. So, well done, Lamar. Uh, you turned down one of the biggest contracts in NFL history to say, no, I'm going to bet on myself. Good luck to you, sir. I hope you have a great season. Cheers to you. Bottoms up.
1: Bottoms up to the number one overall draft pick from this year, who almost as a big FU to, to me on the pod and all the analytics crew who were just castigating <laughs> that franchise for taking. Or well, Trayvon Walker, he doesn't have production. He's just all traits. All those traits worked pretty well where he had a sack bending around the edge. That was incredible. And then he's Insane. picked picked a ball off. So, well, okay. All right. Begrudgingly bottoms up. You've earned it. Cheers to you, Trayvon. Yep.
2: I'm going bottoms up to Mitch Trubisky and Mike Tomlin for a stellar effort uh, against the Bengals. Um, with four interceptions and a fumble uh, forced on Joe Burrow. Um, heck of an achievement to to win that one in, in Cincy.
0: Yep. And my very last one is to none other than my favorite player in the league, and that's Aaron Donald. I didn't realize he'd actually submitted a retirement letter to the Rams in the offseason. But my word, you're out there. You're back playing football. I'm a happy man. I will drink with you anytime, Aaron Donald. This is a call out. I'd love to share a stein, many steins with you. Bottoms up, mate. I hope you have another ripper year.
1: Last one from me. And I will say, have a drink, Chris Collinsworth. Because here's a guy who was really struggling with some laryngitis on the telecast with Mike Tirico. And he just couldn't get through the broadcast, but he fought through to the very end. And maybe you don't want some alcohol. Maybe a soother or some hot lemon and ginger tea. So <laughs> bottoms up, Cobber. You've done it a long time. You're now almost 70. And better luck next week for Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico.
2: I-, I knew I'd seen you make a mental note of that uh, while we watched that game. Over the weekend. Um, <clears throat> my last bottoms up, finishing off the bottle with the new offensive players, three of which, DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett, Xander Horvath, scored touchdowns in their first game as Chargers and our three touchdowns for the game. So sensational effort, very promising. Chargers 1-0, facing the Chiefs, Thursday night at Arrowhead Stadium. Come on, on baby. We go 2-0 with a couple of... Uh, couple of cushy games coming up. Who knows? Well, we'll speak to you next week when we run through it. Thanks for all for joining us. Al, Jack, you have a great week. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Let's Under. Let's go, Firing! has got Floyd turning. Got it. Zigzag. Ten. Five. High step, Touchdown. San Diego.
1: Woo! Good night. Good night to all.